Welcome to the South Canadian Valley Church of Christ podcast. Please enjoy the following study. Good morning. I'm trying to get adjusted up here to this new normal. Which to me there's nothing normal about. Just go tell you that right off the bat. And I got to tell you, I'm shackled by heavy burden if I've got to stand behind here. We might have to write a song about that, Brother Craig. It's rough when you get old and you're kind of stuck in your ways. Some of y'all won't know anything about that for another 30, 40 years. Some of us have been that way for a while, Mike. I don't know. Glad to see each and every one here, Brother Quinn, wherever you're at. Uh, thank you so much for the reading. I appreciate that. I appreciate having young brethren who take seriously their part in our assemblies and who strive to do that to the utmost of their ability to actually practice those readings and those kinds of things. We had a gathering here uh, yesterday morning where we had brethren who came together to talk about a study of Isaiah that our elders have laid out for us that we anticipate doing and Lord willing we're going to do really does my heart good to see brothers and sisters in Christ who are excited about studying God's Word. And it means something to us. That's important. Thinking about what, uh, and by the way, I'm trying not to leave this area. Uh, I've been chided, admonished, and told to stand here. So I'm trying really hard. That's not normal. And that began to bring some questions to my mind. Are we normal? Are we normal? And my contention is that as Christians, we're not normal. We're not. And we can approach that a couple of different ways. But brothers and sisters, I believe that God tells us we are not to be what is considered today normal. So we're not normal. Or are we? We're going to ask some questions. We're going to go through some things. I'm going to posit some things to you uh, that you can do some self-examination and see just how normal we are or we're not. But I'd like to just remind us that first of all, uh, we're 21st century Americans. Everything that we see comes through that prism. That's how we interpret uh, information. That's kind of our paradigm. There are people that I have come into contact with that have never been out of the county in which they were born. They don't have an extremely informed worldview. Can we say that and agree with it? I hope. Never been out of that county. And yet they get to vote. They have opinions, and they should. Um, A lot of times we'll look at ourselves and say, hey, it seems like I fit in. I go to work. I look like everybody else. I'm doing the same kind of job. I have the same performance metrics. I go to school. I'm like everybody else. I see the same posters up there. I compete uh, academically, scholastically, uh, physically. Before we answer the why of why we aren't normal, though, let's take a look at what normal is. Definition, and it's normal to Google, I guess. So that's where I got that. It's the usual, the average, or typical state or condition. Now, That means that we're like everybody else, that we're not different, that we're the same, that we're socially acceptable, that we fit into 
whatever the norm is for our particular society, that we go along with that. Now to me, that's, uh, and I'm going to give an example, that's like driving down the road. And as I drive down the road, I don't know what the speed limit is. I don't even look for the signs. You know why? Because I'm going along with the herd. I'm just driving like everybody else. If everybody else is scrunched up, I'm on the guy's bumper in front of me because somebody's pushing me. I don't worry about that. I'm just doing what everybody else does. And my sense of what's right and wrong is I'm informed by all of those around me. That's my determination. We're going with that flow of traffic. Here's what that looks like to me in Oklahoma City. I don't know if we can look at that picture and say, hey, that guy in the green car, because I only found one of them, he's normal. Nobody else is. I think there's one red car. Maybe that's the normal person. I don't know. I don't even know who's in these vehicles. Just know it's a picture. But that's what going along with everybody else in my mind kind of looks like. And I want to ask you what normal looks like to you. Any of that look normal? I'll give you some more shots. Maybe that's normal. Or that could be normal. And the truth is every one of those are normal for those particular cultures and societies. Typically not what we think of normal here is I look around this crowd, nobody's dressed like that. Nobody. What normal used to be was that whoever was speaking had on a tie and a suit. That was normal. Now it's not. Somebody shows up with a suit on or is wearing a jacket. We think, man, Bruce must be preaching today. He's wearing a jacket. Normal kind of changes. There's our new normal, right? That's us. Not too long ago, if I walked into a bank, I had a mask on, sunglasses and a hoodie, I'd be down on the floor. Now they say, come on in. What can we help you with? I just start laughing. I think the guys that are really stealing my money are wearing masks and they're on that side. It's kind of cool how that works. Why aren't we normal? Well, Romans 12 and 2. Brother Craig, if you get over there, might have to read that. looks like it got blacked out. I think it says something like, be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that perfect and acceptable Will of God. Something along those lines, Brother Craig. Straighten me out if that's not right. Brother, I couldn't read it. I don't have my glasses. And I'd have to leave from up here to get down there and I'd get in trouble. I'm trying to make a C on this, just be normal. I'd bring down to a D minus if I did that. We have been told by our Creator, our God, and Brother Mike, thank you for your words around the table this morning. That we are not to be conformed to this world, but rather we're to, be, we're to be transformed. We're to be different. We're not to be like everybody else. But in what ways are we supposed to be different? Should we look out and see how everybody else wears their hair and just fix ours differently? Just so we can be different? Or we wear different clothes? Or we use a different accent? Don't think that's a transformation that he's talking about here. Because we're supposed to prove what is that perfect and acceptable will of God. That's what we're looking to do is please God with what we do. The word world here really speaks to the world system, if you will. Or oftentimes we call this the human condition. 
And people use that like it's an excuse. Well, I'm a human being, therefore I'm going to sin. Well, that's correct. God's already told us that. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every human being is going to do that. That's not an excuse. That's a fact. There's a difference here. I'm shorter than five foot eight. I will never dunk a basketball. That's a fact. But that's not an excuse. It just is. And in the case of our sin, that's something that we should seek to do something about to remedy. We should be about doing the Father's will. This world system is what we're supposed to stand out from and be different from. So, us being a little bit different. Let me just tell you, if this comes as a shock, a revelation to you, I'm glad that you got it. But I don't need the most likes on Facebook. I don't need the most followers on Twitter. I don't even know what Instagram is. So whatever the most on that is, I don't need it either. Don't need that. I don't need to be the most popular, the richest, the best looking. Thank you, Lord, I don't have to be the best looking. I read some research on what is the best looking, by the way. And what they did, they had a program that would take facial features and they blended those facial features. And they found that the more facial features that they blended, the better looking the person got. In other words, the more average they were, the more normal, the better looking they were. I prefer not to be normal. I stand out a little bit. I'm not average looking. Some people may consider that bad. We as Christians define success differently. We define it differently than the world does. 1 Timothy 6 and 6 says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. How many people in the world believe that? Isn't it about the newest car, the newest technology, the best clothes, whatever that comes from? I know somebody who was really upset because she didn't have a Louis Vuitton purse and not just one of those but the $3,500 model. I didn't know purses cost $3,500. I didn't know you could pay that much for them. I had no clue. I'm not going to be in that crowd ever. I just won't. If that's where the cool kids are, I'm never going to sit at that table. Don't understand it. If that's normal, I won't be there. If that's success, I'll never be successful. He continues to say, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. I've been to a lot of funerals, and nobody took anything with them. If you've seen otherwise, let me know. That's an exception to the rule. I can promise you that. That will definitely not be normal. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. And I'm going to ask the question today, are we content with food and clothing? It didn't say here to have a house. It didn't say to have a car. Food and clothing, can we be content? Now, brethren, content doesn't mean that we don't strive to improve conditions. It doesn't mean that. It's not exclusive of effort on our part or planning on our part. But it speaks to the state of peace that we have internal to us. Can we be at peace if we have those things? You know, 2020 has been described as a lot of things, none of them good that I've heard so far. And with much anticipation, we look forward to the coming 2021. Woo! It's going to solve all of our problems one January 2021. 
God had a surprise for us. Snowmageddon came, right? We set records for cold over here. People's, people didn't even know they had pipes that froze and busted for about three weeks till they thawed out. Rolling blackouts. Who would have thought in Oklahoma we had rolling blackouts? This isn't California. We don't do that mess. 2021 didn't fix anything for us. We're right back at it. That made a lot of us come back to appreciate what it really takes to make us happy. You know, if I got up in the morning and I had a warm house and I had water, which implies in my house I also have electricity because I'm total electric, and we had food, I'm ecstatic. I'm really happy. We couldn't get out of our driveway for a week. Could not, tried, tore the whole front yard up. Could not get out. We finally broke out. Thank you, Lord. We were able to make it to where snow plows had come in. Now, for some, that was a relief. For me, that's not such a good deal. I'm quite content being at home. That's my safe place. 2021 didn't fix anything. What are we content with? What does it take to make us content? Here's an admonition. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith and their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. There are people who have sold their souls for money. What a terrible exchange. If that's the stock market, you crashed. Bad way to be. People seek money, fame, VIP status, I want to have rock star parking wherever I go. Is that really that important to us? I want to give an example of not being normal, and this is out of Hebrews chapter 11, and it's one of my favorite Old Testament characters. The scripture says, starting in verse 24, by faith Moses, when he became of age. You know, the Bible talks about there's a period of time where people know the difference between right or wrong. We often call that the age of accountability. Moses knew the difference between right and wrong. When he did, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And what did that cost him? He chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked for the reward. What an allegory for us. What a wonderful story about our lives here if we can kind of capture that and bring it into modern day here. There's the world condition. There's society right there. That's what success looks like. I mean, let's be the Pharaoh's uh, daughter's son, right? When he be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, Pharaoh is your granddaddy. That puts you in line to be the man. That is success in a lot of people's eyes. Moses spurned that. And he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm not just going to turn that down, but I'm going to suffer affliction. And if we've studied affliction, that doesn't mean I got a stubbed toe. It means I'm under a serious burden constantly with the children of God. Not just suffer affliction, but I'm going to be with God's people when they're afflicted. Now all of this you've offered me, Satan, is pleasurable for a season. 
But I'm looking to eternity. I'm looking long term. And this is a bad trade. And Moses knew that. And he chose rather to be with the children of God. By faith he forsook Egypt. Not fearing the wrath of the king. You want to talk about some persecution coming. That didn't scare Moses. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. We serve a God we cannot see. Moses couldn't see him either. But he served him just like he stood in front of him every day. How would that change our lives if God physically manifested himself every day to us? We get ready to go to work. God gets in the car with us. He's in the back seat driving, so to speak. And he's back there going, you speed? See all these other cars out here? They got Christians in them. You know what the speed limit is? See, we should know that. Because God has called us to be a moderate, temperate people. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood. By faith, you and I assemble on the first day of the week. We keep the communion. And why do we do that? Because we serve this God. That's why. And he commanded us to do that. And that's good enough. Now the other side of that, lest he be destroyed or the firstborn be destroyed, who should touch them? Same thing. If we don't keep the commandments of God, we're going to be destroyed. But brothers and sisters, we have promise of better things. By faith they pass through the Red Sea. How many times have you and I seen obstacles in front of us that we said we can't navigate? And that's an amen. There are things out there bigger than we are. But we have a God who can move mountains. We've got a God who can part the seas. And not only that, but He dried the ground so they crossed on dry ground. There's a God preparing the way for us. And when the world tried to achieve what you and I achieve, and they tried to get there a different way, they're drowned. They're overcome. Why? Because they don't have the help from the Lord. Our help comes from the Lord. He prepares our way. He fights our battles for us. Those without Christ don't have that at all. I want to go back and just outline those verses. It says, by faith Moses did those things. That's not normal. We've got five senses. I'm a very concrete thinking kind of guy. Abstract, that is not me. If we stand out there and look up in the sky and you say, what do you see in those clouds? Cloud. Win, lose, or draw. Everybody hated to be on my team. For you, those of you familiar with that, you'd get a card, you'd have something on there, and you'd try to draw it, and everybody fit. Because everything I drew looked the same. House, tree, squirrel. It all looked the same, and I actually put effort into that. Brother Tibor, I don't have your talent. It's just not there. Living by faith is an abstract concept, and yet we're told to do that. 2 Corinthians 5 and 7 says we walk by faith, not by sight. We serve a God we cannot see. We serve to get promises of things that are coming that you and I can't put a finger on. We can't touch heaven yet. But we know it's there. We know we're headed that direction. Romans 4.17 says, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. That's you and I. 
Things that aren't even there yet, we call as though they exist because we walk by that faith. And we believe God when He tells us that. We believe the promises of a God that we cannot see. That's not normal. A God that we cannot touch, we can't smell, we can't feel. None of our senses are there for Him. And yet we, we live our entire lives to please Him. Ladies and gentlemen of the court, I submit to you, that's not normal. In John chapter 15 and verse 18, the scripture says, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. You know what? God selected us and He called us out to be different. And because we're not of this world and we're not like them, people are going to hate us. In John chapter 3, beginning of verse 19, the Scripture says, This is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, that being Jesus. And men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. Why is it that people would hate us as Christians? You know why? Because their deeds are evil. That's why. And they're just trying to cover up the evil that they do. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. That's you and I. That's what we strive to do. We've got a different value system than the world does. You and I as Christians, we don't own anything. Oh, we can put our name on titles, anything you want to. I don't own a house. Bank does. I make them a payment every day. Not every day. That's not true. Once a month. Automatic. I don't even have to touch it. Gene's got that set up. It's going to take my money. And they let me live there. It's awesome how that works. But that's God's house. I drive his car. Absolutely. Eat his food. I wear his clothes. I don't own anything. We're just stewards of what God has. Now, we've got people who say, wait a minute now, I work long and hard for what I've got. I can do whatever I want to do. I'm going to tell you something. There's never going to be a time in your life when you can do everything you want to do. I used to think that as a kid. Man, I'm going to get up and I can do what I want. I want to dunk a basketball. Ain't happening. Nothing I can do about that. Genetically, just not going to get there. For those of you who can, I don't like you. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says we were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I want you to think about that for just a minute. How different is that than what we're taught in the world today? Our bodies are God's? Not mine? You mean all this time I spend on my hair? Getting just the right clothes? My makeup just so? Got to make sure I got the right cologne, kale to go with that. Everything's cool. I do that for God's glory. Do we convince ourselves of that? I do that for the glory of God. We belong to God, you and I. We're different because God's Word is our authority, not man. Our faith permeates every part of our lives. And if I can state it in more terms, I believe that are today terms, I'm Christian informed. I use the Bible to prove other sources. I don't go out to get other sources to prove the Bible. It is the source. It is the truth. 
Anything that conflicts with it is wrong. I'm Christian informed. My religion informs my politics, brothers and sisters. My, re, my, my religion is not, or I'm sorry, my politics don't inform my religion. I wish I could register to vote as a Christian. We just don't have that option right now. We love sinners, but we hate sin. That's not normal. Our physical lives are not the dearest possession that we own. And I want you to think about that for just a minute. We're made in the image of God. We had some sermons on that, three I believe, recently. And thank you, brothers, for that. Excellent teaching. We're three-part beings, aren't we? Body, soul, and spirit. And if we're not careful, two of those things can become the most important possession we have. Our bodies and our spirit. When really it's our soul that should be most important to us. Death's not the end for you and I. Death is our beginning as Christians. And I want to close up talking about death. We'll spend a little time here. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14 says, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself, that's Jesus, likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. You know what? Death does not have any power over you and I right now. It doesn't. Does not. Now think about that. If somebody were to walk in here today and say, I'm going to line you up and shoot you, that's no power. The only way he's got power is if that's important to me. And what he's doing is releasing me from the bondage of this life. I live this life so I can spend eternity in heaven. The sooner this is over, the quicker that's going to start. Shorten that for me. And that's okay. I'll sign up. And release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. You and I don't have that spirit of fear. We're not chained to anything today, except I'm up here to this pulpit. We're not chained to death. That life is not the most important piece of what we've got. For indeed, He does not give aid to angels, but He gives aid to the seed of Abraham. That's you and I. Angels don't even get what we got. We have VIP treatment. We are preferred customers. That's us. God helps us in our times of trials and weakness. And I want to just stop for a minute and say, people in the world don't have that promise. They don't get that blessing. Because they're not part of this covenant. In Romans chapter 8 beginning in verse 26. The scripture says likewise the spirit also helps us in our weakness. So we're looking at the father, the son and now the Holy Spirit gets involved in helping us. God in his fullness helps us in our times of weakness. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. And the older I get the more I look at my prayer life and go, this is unacceptable. I don't even know what I'm supposed to be praying here. I wish I did. There was a time when I really thought, boy, I know what I'm praying about. And I'm not saying I don't target particular things and we're taught to pray for certain things and I do that. But there's situations I look at and go, Lord, this is way beyond me. I need your wisdom. I don't even know what to pray for. But the Spirit Himself makes intercessions for us, thank you, Lord, with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Thank you. 
Not everybody's got that. And we know that all things work together for good. For those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. You know what? I don't know the reason why we had a freeze in Oklahoma. I don't have a clue. Other than the fact that it happens every so once in a while. It's a random kind of thing. But you know what? It works together for our good. And I know that because God promised. That didn't. What He's not saying is everything that happens to us is good. He didn't say that. Bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to us. But it will work towards our good. That's what it'll do. Sinners don't have these promises. They don't get those blessings. In Psalms chapter 23, and this is something that I hope is a memory verse or memory verses for all of us. The Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, there's trial. There's temptation. Right there is affliction on us. And even though that's happening, I walk through that, sh that valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. And why is that? Because, Lord, you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare before me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Man, that's got to be a bad taste in their mouth, isn't it? Those who would look at us at things that are going to harm us. Those who are enemies of Christ and enemies of us. Before them, God's going to prepare, prepare that table for us. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Forever. When times get tough, we have assurance. We have promises. You and I. In Matthew chapter 16 and beginning verse 24, the Lord Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. And take up his cross and follow me, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will, record, uh, will reward each according to his works. When we stand before God on the day of judgment, what can we give all for in exchange for our soul? Are we going to give him physical possessions that already belong to him? Are we going to offer him our life that already belongs to him? Without the blood of Christ... Without that sacrifice of Jesus, you and I have nothing. But with that, we have treasure in heaven. We understand what truly is valuable. Each of us have that soul that's of infinite value. Philippians 1.21, For to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. What does that mean in John chapter 14, beginning in verse 1? Let not your heart be troubled. I don't know about you, but when times get tough, and Jesus looks at me and says, let not your heart be troubled. But Lord, don't you understand? The waves are getting high. The boat's getting tossed. We could get... Let not your heart be troubled. Why? Because He's in charge. He's in control. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. You know what He was teaching? He's about to leave. And people are sad because the Savior's leaving. 
And what's he doing? He's comforting them. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Did you think about that when Jesus left? He knew that you and I were going to be born into this world. And He prepares a place for you and I. It's already got your name on the mansion, so to speak. We've already got an address. I'm just in there trying to jockey around and figure out what neighborhood I'm in. We've got that mansion. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. Why? That where I am, there you may be also. We're going to be right there with Jesus for eternity. Where I go, you know, and the way, you know. We follow our Savior Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, our bodies is destroyed. We have a building from God. We have a building from God. They can destroy this body. Fear not those, what? That can destroy this body. But rather fear Him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. This body is going to, I promise you, the older you get, the more your body is going to begin to break down. I don't know when my prime was, but it was a long time ago. It ain't getting better. This tent is being destroyed. God's going to give me another body. A house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For those, uh, for we who are in this tent groan, being burdened. Not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for uh, this very thing is God who also has given us the Spirit, a guarantee. God prepared us for death. And He gave us a guarantee. We probably all heard the parable, if you will, the story of the rich man and Lazarus. I just want to think about this as we're closing. There was a certain rich man who, had, who was clothed in, in uh, purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus full of sores who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores, so it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. What happens when you and I die? We have an angel escort. We're going to hear that brush of wings. We're not left to anything. We are taken, escorted to paradise. That's what we look forward to when we're on that deathbed. A better place, a better home for you and I, where you and I will enter into eternal rest. No, brothers and sisters, we're not normal. We're the chosen of God. And we should be thankful for that. We should glory in that. The promises that we have, the blessings that we've got. If there's one here this morning who's never started down that pathway. If there's one here who has not become one of the chosen of God, who has not decided to follow Him, receive these blessings, we beg you to do that today. If there's one here who would desire the prayers of this church for any reason, we're going to ask that you come while we stand and sing the song that's been selected. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. For further information about our church, 
please go to normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com.